Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air on the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul the Apostle. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverings and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It is great to be with you on this Thursday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Now, the week of prayer for Christian unity concludes tonight with Pope Francis following a tradition and celebrating ecumenical vespers at the tomb of St. Paul in the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls in Rome. This octave of prayer for Christian unity is celebrated every year from January 18th through the 25th, and it concludes with the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, which we are celebrating today. Monsignor James Shea will join us in just a few minutes with much more on this week of prayer for Christian unity. And our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, uh, will uh, discuss today's Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul coming up in hour number two at 738 Central. Want to bring in Glenn and Sarah. Hey, Glenn, uh, what are a few of the stories making headlines on this Thursday morning? John, in Ohio, lawmakers banning so-called gender-affirming care for minors. The uh, state Senate Wednesday joined House lawmakers in approving an override of the governor's veto. The senators voted in favor of moving forward with the measure that would ban hormone therapies and, quote, reassignment surgery for anyone in Ohio under 18. The law would also ban transgender girls from competing in female sports from kindergarten through 12th grade. And in college programs, those new rules set to go into effect in roughly 90 days. Glenn, what's your take? Uh, do you see more and more uh, pushback, not just in Ohio, but in other parts of the country? I don't know. I mean, it's a very, very heated topic. Uh, Patrick Madrid talks about that an awful lot on the Patrick Madrid Show, heard on the network, 8 to 11 Central Mornings here on Relevant Radio. And uh, that's one of those things I think we're going to find varies a lot state by state. Yeah, it does. But the the one thing that I think has been consistent is uh, most Americans uh, do believe that it is not uh, fair uh, for transgender women to compete in women's sports. That's something that we uh, definitely have seen uh, a movement uh, to, to end because uh, for many, many reasons, obviously, and we've talked about this here on the show in the past. Yeah. And so it, uh, but uh, to, to see, uh, States going as far as, uh, you know, kind of putting their foot down in certain... And here's a case of uh, uh, the legislature basically overriding the, the governor there to, to make it happen. Meanwhile, uh, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, is uh, sounding uh, a warning about AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, what is the, the latest uh, from Rome, uh, Glenn? The Pope called for worldwide regulation of the new technology. It was part of his message for the Church's World Day of Social Communications that's coming up on May 12th. He talked about the dangers of warping reality, as he called it, to promote false narratives, sometimes using fake audio messages. And uh, now this was the case actually in New Hampshire. Uh, Some messages purported to use uh, uh, actual audio, but it was not, of uh, President Biden urging folks to stay home and not uh, vote in the Democratic primary just a few days ago. And so uh, this is something, especially uh, in an election year, uh, there's a lot at stake uh, when when, uh, people are confused about what reality is out there. 
And again, I think it's important to uh, keep it into perspective that the Holy Father Pope Francis, uh, you know, is not uh, speaking as the successor of Peter. He's not speaking from uh, the chair of Peter, ex-cathedra. This is, you know, obviously he has strong sentiments and these are his feelings about it, but this is not, you know, church teaching. No, but I mean, the, you know, the, the church stands up for the truth, right? And uh, if AI is interfering with the truth and becomes more and more widespread, uh, it's uh, definitely worth worth a look. Yeah, I I think it's just it's it's good to to un- understand the, the difference between when the Holy Father is speaking officially as uh, as the as the Pope of Rome and uh, when you know he's uh, you know teaching and sharing uh, opinions uh, that he has. You know, if he talks about his favorite soccer soccer team, for example, that's not something that we have to agree with. No, but I mean, uh, misuse of AI is something that we'll all be dealing with here in the not-too-distant future. So that That is absolutely little, yeah. uh, true, and uh, obviously he has, uh, you know, his... Uh, a perspective on that, which we all definitely should listen to. Um, meanwhile, uh, this morning, uh, something that I actually uh, texted you about uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Glenn, um, is it a surprise? Uh, Jim Harbaugh is heading uh, back to the NFL? Oh, he's been uh, rumored for a while there. I know he was in the running for the, the Vikings job and interviewed a couple years ago there. So he's been looking to get back in the pros here, but uh, had a long, successful career in a, in a variety of venues, including uh, most recently in the NFL with the uh, with the 49ers. So here's hoping he can stay on the sideline and uh, not be suspended for any of the upcoming season there, John. Well, he's not going to have to deal with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the L.A. Chargers uh, and Harbaugh have uh, agreed to terms uh, for... Uh, this uh, national champion winning uh, coach, uh, just winning the national championship just recently uh, with the Michigan Wolverines, and uh, he returns uh, uh, back uh, to uh, to the NFL where he had quite a uh, impressive a run with the 49ers uh, back in, in 2011 through uh, 14. A uh, really good record, made it to three straight uh, NFC championship games. But the one thing he hasn't done, he's, he's never won the Super Bowl. Uh, so that is still uh, something out there uh, for uh, Harbaugh and now the Chargers to shoot for. Yeah, and he can cheer for his brother perhaps. They're uh, coming up on Sunday in the AFC Finals with the Baltimore Ravens, and they're also on the Chargers' schedule. So the brothers will get to go at it in the coming season as well. Yeah, those two do root for each other. In fact, John Harbaugh was on the sideline when Michigan uh, was winning uh, the national championship. All right, all uh, the best uh, to uh, Coach Harbaugh. Uh, Meanwhile, today is Thursday, and that means it's uh, time for another edition of What's That Sound? Well, good morning and welcome to all you faithful listeners ready to play What's That Sound once again on another Thursday here on Morning Air. Today we have a special little theme. It's going to be weather related. So I've already given you hopefully all the hints you'll need to do very well in this game. And here we go, John. Let's see if you can figure out which sound relating to the weather this one might be. That sounds like thunder in the horizon. There we go. And, uh, you know, there's that little trick. I think when you see the flash and you count how many seconds before you hear the thunder as to how close that storm might be to you. So um, just keep that in mind just whenever you're out there and you see some of this crazy weather stuff going on. 
Um, so far, not too much thunder and lightning recently. We've had other phenomena, but not necessarily ones you can capture in sound here. Uh, it is a sound uh, that baseball parents never like to, to hear when we're at a game and all of a sudden it starts thundering and lightning and everybody scrambles uh, to uh, get out of the way. Yeah, that's pretty much the only sound if you're playing soccer that they will stop the game for because uh, I've played in – when I played soccer in, in uh, college, I do remember it being cold enough that there was like snow and hail and things and they were like, ah, it's fine. But as soon as there's lightning, okay, someone could get electrocuted. We'll get out of here. So anyways. Okay, here we go. Glenn, are you ready for your weather hint? I am crouched down into my listening position here. <laughs> okay, good. Here we go. That just sounds like me sitting on the porch listening to a gentle rain shower. Very good. Yes, that's uh, like of a rainstorm. There's lots of uh, different, you know, sounds when you hear the rain. Sometimes it's like a little pitter-patter. Sometimes it's a little bit more of a downpour. That's kind of, that's a great, Both of those are, are great sounds. It's getting me revved up for springtime. You know, we love to do a little storm chasing up here. And so, uh, yeah, we love love the weather. Well, there you go. Very good. So we're getting you ready for the, so you're ready when you hear the sounds, you're like, okay, this is safe to go out. This is not safe to go out. Very good. Okay, here we go. Last one. Let's see if you guys can figure this one out. This is weather related, but it's uh, from a movie. So let's see if you guys can figure out this one. I gotta go, Julia. We got cows. Mm. <laughs> is that from Twister with the cow flying? It is, yes. And uh, the cow flew by twice. They thought they had two cows, but no, I think it's just the same. And you're in a Twister, so there's two cows. There's just one. Just one. Yeah, one of my favorite, um, you know, weather-related movies. So many great quotes yes. in there. Lots of good music. Lots of great, interesting characters. Very funny, very cool movie. Oh, we should have played something from the opening scenes of The Wizard of Oz. Remember? Oh, yeah, you I guess we could that? have done that. Yeah. With There's the, a twister in, in that, Kansas. isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is a twister, and everybody's <laughs> running for dear life and trying to go underground to get out of the way. So, yeah. Uh, you gave us a couple of softballs here I, this Well, morning. I mean, weather-related. I mean, these are the weather-related ones I, I found. Yes, I guess they could be softballs, but for people who live in some parts of the country, maybe they haven't heard those sounds in a long time. I might have, you know, have to wake up and listen. Hey, is this is this what I think it is? I shouldn't have said that because then you're going to be super tough on us in, in the hour number two. I won't say Way anything to go, else. John. I won't yeah. say anything else. I'll just leave it right there for next hour. Well, thanks, guys, for playing. Thanks for playing at home, and stay tuned. Next hour, we'll have all new sounds. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Sarah and Glenn. We uh, begin every morning, as we always do, in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all of the many blessings, always praying through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, as we continue uh, to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine, and peace in our nation, peace in our church, peace in our families, and especially peace in our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. On Thursdays, I take a brief moment always to remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ, and especially uh, during uh, this Eucharistic revival that our bishops have called for. Try to visit uh, the Blessed Sacrament today uh, if you get a chance. Obviously, it's a good thing to do any day, but uh, on Thursdays, it's something I always uh, try to encourage you to do. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Galatians. Galatians 2.20, the Apostle St. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself uh, for me. The Apostle St. Paul reminds us that if we are united to the cross of Christ, we have died to our former ways, especially our enslavement to sin. If, if we live the grace of our baptism as a new creation in Christ, living out our faith in Christ, working deeds of love, then the life of Christ lives in us and we can shine the light of our Lord Jesus Christ for the world to see. We always pray with great confidence from the chapel of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a short break when we come back. Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary, will join us to talk about the week of prayer for Christian unity, which concludes today with this Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. So stay with us. There is much more to come on this Thursday edition of Morning Air. We are just warming up here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in across much of our nation here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. As always, you can send us an email directly if you have any thoughts or story ideas. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888 888- Nine one four nine one four nine. Now today is the last day of the week of prayer for Christian unity. Uh, this week is a response to Christ's prayer that they may all be one. From John seventeen twenty one. This year's celebration also marks the sixtieth anniversary of the historic meeting between Pope Saint. Uh, Paul VI and Orthodox Ecumenical Patriarch Athenagoras uh, I of Constantinople back in 1964, in which uh, the following year they would lift the mutual excommunications of both churches issued in 1054. This was the first formal meeting between a pope and an ecumenical patriarch since 1438. So this was a a big major shift in ecumenical relations between uh, the Catholic Catholic 
and Eastern Orthodox churches. And the, this week of prayer for Christian unity concludes today with the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, with Pope Francis presiding over Vespers at the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls in Rome. Joining us live uh, this morning is Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary and a regular contributor to Morning Air and Relevant Radio, uh, uh, to talk further about the importance of uh, this week of prayer for Christian unity and the importance of uh, unity uh, for all Christians. Uh, To learn much more about the University of Mary, visit cometomary.life. Good morning, Monsignor Shea. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a blessing to be with you. Happy feast day. Good morning, John. Happy feast day to you. The feast of the conversion of St. Paul. It's a, it's a watershed moment for us as Christians to consider that great event, uh, which brought about so much good in the, in the work of evangelization. Well, Monsignor, uh, obviously for the last eight days during this octave, uh, we've been uh, praying for a Christian unity as we do every year. Why is Christian unity so important, but perhaps more than ever before, with so many attacks and challenges on Catholics and other Christians these days? Absolutely. So, you know, the week of prayer for Christian unity, praying for an octave is an old Catholic practice, and it has its origins in um, a... Uh, in, in a decree of Pope Leo XIII in 1894, in which he, he urged Catholics to pray for Christian unity, to pray the rosary for Christian unity. And slowly, as that developed through the years, it then extended beyond the Catholic Church into other Christian denominations. And the way that you said it, uh, John, is really helpful that, that it's never been as important. For instance, the theme for this year I, I noted um, is you shall love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. And the theme was chosen by an ecumenical team from Burkina, Burkina Faso, facilitated by the Shemenouf community, which is a French Catholic and ecumenical community. But Burkina Faso is a place in the world in which there's terrific violence and trafficking and um, it's uh, in Africa, persecution. Isn't it? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so it's it's sixty four percent Muslim, twenty percent Catholic, nine percent African religions, and six percent Protestant. And so there's a lot of unrest, and the Christians there, the Catholics and the Protestants, are needing really to work together in order to ha- and to have solidarity with each other in order for not just the Christian mission and the Christian witness and the Christian message to be spread, but for them to be able uh, to survive as a community. This is super important uh, for all of us in the world, because as the world becomes increasingly secular and in some ways more radically religious uh, at the same time, as those two dynamics work their way through the societies of the world, the Christians are oftentimes left uh, facing severe persecution, uh, facing discrimination, facing misunderstanding, facing hostility. And so we live in a world in which as, as Christians, we really do need to work together and need to um, pray for an end to the, the sinful and wicked divisions which have uh, plagued us over the course of the last centuries. Now, Monsignor, um, I believe you were at the March for Life uh, last uh, Friday. I sure was. It was really amazing. There was there was light snowfall, uh, and the whole city kind of went into lockdown. <laughs> For North Dakotans, we couldn't believe this. We <laughs> we thought we thought it was amazing. 
It was. I, I saw the images. It was coming down yeah. like crazy, but it obviously did not uh, deter the 100,000-plus uh, no. people that were on hand, uh, as was reported uh, by uh, LifeNews.com. Um, but, you know, when you when you look at what went on on, on the, the main stage with all these yeah. uh, great speakers, and you see uh, the ecumenical movement of the pro-life movement uh, there with, with Catholics and uh, uh, Orthodox and That's other right. uh, Christians. Christians of all different denominations all coming together. Would you say that the pro-life movement truly is the uh, ecumenical movement uh, in this day and age? I would I would say that, that that absolutely is true. And so what I was mentioning before about the persecution of Christians throughout the world, because Christians face very bitter persecution, uh, is is an ecumenical cause for sure. We should be standing up for all of our Christian brothers and sisters in countries all over the world, but also the experience of the pro-life movement. And I've been to many, many marches for life. It's an amazing thing to see so many Christians of different denominations come together to stand for the unborn, for those who don't have a voice of their own. And so you're right, on the main stage at the March for Life were a group of Orthodox bishops uh, who came out with Catholic bishops and stood together in solidarity for life. Of course, there were many evangelicals there as well, and several of the speakers uh, were Protestant evangelicals. And so it is the case that this is a cause, rallying to the cause of the unborn, is a beautiful way for Christians to work together to bring the mission and the truth of Christ into the world. Well, when I think of um, other things that bring us together, you, th- you think of uh, the traditional family, uh, religious freedom, just to name a few in addition to the issue of life. No, that's right. So every year I go, for instance, to the Canterbury Gala, which is the annual gathering of uh, the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. And the Beckett Fund, of course, is defending uh, uh, people of all different faiths and religions. And you'll see there lots of Catholics, including Catholic bishops and clerics and Catholic lay people. And then you'll see as well many, many of our Protestant brothers and sisters, especially the evangelicals, uh, really come together with us on significant moral issues. And that's really an important aspect as well. We, we really do need, in the, in the world in which we live, we really do need to work together uh, to defend our common interests, but also more deeply to proclaim the Lordship of Jesus Christ to an unbelieving world. That's what Christians have always done since the very beginning, which is why this octave always ends on the feast day of the conversion of St. Paul, who first brought the gospel into the world. And uh, Monsignor Shea, uh, I'm always uh, encouraged and moved uh, when I I think of uh, the relationship that exists uh, today uh, between uh, Catholic and Orthodox. And uh, obviously this is a a special uh, week because we're celebrating 60 years since uh, the first meeting between a a pope and an uh, Orthodox patriarch. And so you could say that the two uh, lungs of the church uh, came together in that historic meeting that that we remember uh, in these days days during this, this week of uh, Prayer for Christian Unity. That's right. So uh, the the first major split in Christianity, of course, there had been fighting and, and division and, and, and heresies and all kinds of things from the very beginning of the existence of the Church. But the first schism that happened, the first major schism that happened was between Rome and Constantinople, and so between the East and the West, and that's now more than a thousand years uh, old, um, and it was only 500 years later that the Protestant Reformation 
came along. And so the Orthodox, uh, you know, are closest to we as Catholics in terms of their understanding of apostolic succession and the priesthood uh, and the sacraments and all of those different kinds of things that we together prize as Christians. Um, and so, uh, yes, 60 years ago, um, the, the ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople and uh, the, the, the Bishop of Rome, uh, who was Pope St. Paul VI, at the time, came together. And that was a, a real watershed moment, a, a moment of great healing. And we hope, of course, uh, that as we continue to work for Christian unity, it's not just um, uh, it's not just about coming together and agreeing to disagree. <laughs> it's about praying for real unity. It's about the prayer of Jesus at the Last Supper that all might be one. It's important for us to understand that because we live as Americans, especially in a pluralistic society in which we prize tolerance and all of these kinds of things. And it's it's important for us to remember that when we're praying for Christian unity, we're not just praying to get along. We're praying that the sinful and wicked divisions that exist between Christians would be dissolved and that we would come back together in common worship uh, in, around the teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so uh, the the Orthodox and many popes, Pope St. John Paul II, for instance, very much deeply believed uh, that uh, that Christian unity would first come about between the Catholics and the Orthodox uh, and that we should really be intent upon that. Of course, it's very difficult because there are all kinds of historical and theological barriers to that, but nothing is a permanent barrier for the Holy Spirit. And so we truly do pray uh, that the divisions between us uh, would uh, be resolved. And like you said, uh, we have so much in common uh, with our uh, Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters, uh, you know, beginning just with the, the Holy Eucharist. They have valid orders. They have a valid Eucharist and all the other sacraments. And really, I think the, the, the one uh, thing that we're not on the same page with is uh, their understanding of the successor of St. Peter, of the, of the papacy. I think that that's probably uh, the biggest, uh, you know, issue uh, even to this day. Uh, but that has improved significantly. Significantly, and you can get a glimpse of it when you when you go to a Catholic uh, Eastern Church where they have the same liturgy as the Eastern Orthodox, uh, the liturgy of Saint John Chrysostom, but they pray for the Holy Father in Rome. No, that's right. You know, I was with a bunch of our students this past summer up in Winnipeg, in Canada, and we went to a Ukrainian Catholic cathedral up there and participated in the Divine Liturgy of Saint John Chrysostom, and so we were. We were up there as Roman Catholics, and we were able to participate in the entire liturgy and receive communion, and it was very, very beautiful. And so you do indeed have that sense, that glimpse of how close we really are. And it is true, uh, uh, papal authority is a primary issue. And then, of course, the primary theological issue is the filioque uh, in the creed, um, where um, we say that... that, um, uh, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, whereas they say only the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds only from the Father. And so that's a, a theological point. But then uh, there are all kinds of historical wounds and those kinds of things as well. But I think on this day, uh, on the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, this is an opportunity, John, for us to consider the preaching of St. Paul the Apostle, how he went out to the ends of the earth 
fearlessly, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the wisdom and the knowledge of God, and he proclaimed the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's what we're called to do. In other words, we're not meant to be insular. We're not meant to turn in upon ourselves and only be in a fussy way concerned about our own interests uh, as a church body. We're meant to be missionary disciples uh, going to the ends of the earth proclaiming the gospel. And when that happens, when we turn outward uh, instead of inward, when we turn outward and are focused upon the mission that's given us by Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the the divisions uh, that are between us seem less insurmountable. And we realize that the stakes are too high for us to fight in petty ways. Obviously, questions like papal authority and uh, the the wording of the creed in the filioque are not insubstantial, and we would never sweep those under the rub, rug and say, hey, let's just forget about the things uh, which we disagree about. Instead, it's a matter of engaging them with a spirit of apostolic witness and mission. And, uh, of course, uh, this week of Prayer for Christian Unity wraps up uh, uh, tonight uh, in Rome with the Holy Father, Pope Francis, being joined by the Anglican Archbishop uh, Justin Welby of Canterbury uh, for Vespers. Uh, And it's a beautiful thing to see uh, all these different leaders from different denominations all there at the uh, Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls. Uh, I've never been actually there for that day, but I've seen videos of it, and and it's it's a wonderful sign of unity. Yeah, I think that's right. So, it, it, you know, it goes back the the early Christians, when we consider that that um, that St. Paul uh, was preaching uh, as the Christians were understanding themselves to be in the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, that when the Messiah comes, he'll purify the temple and then all the nations will stream toward it. And so you have this sense uh, that 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 the message of the Christian gospel was meant to draw people from the ends of the earth, and so uh, when 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 the Holy Father uh, leads vespers at Saint Paul outside the world uh, outside the walls, when he leads those vespers there, we, we're thinking about all of the nations streaming toward that temple, which is the resting place of the great missionary apostle Paul, uh, for for. To, for a sense of being gathered together into the kingdom of God, because that's actually what the Messiah comes to do. He comes as a harvester. He comes to gather from the ends of the earth all the peoples, all the nations into the kingdom of God so that God the Father can be with all of us for eternity. And that's what the Holy Father is representing tonight as as he is leading in this prayer service. Can you uh, lead us in a short prayer for Christian unity here this morning? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, on the night before you died, you prayed that all would be one, that all of your disciples, all of your followers would be of one mind and one heart and would come together and would worship you in purity and in truth. We pray that we might be purified this day, that we might be purified of our wicked and sinful divisions. And then instead, Lord, you would give us a spirit of deep love, of urgent zeal for the proclamation of your lordship over the entire world. And such that in, in that way, let us work together as Christians across every denomination and, and dissolve those divisions such that we might come together and worship you, the one true Lord in the true faith. We ask this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you so much, uh, Monsignor Shea. Always a joy to be with you. A joy to be with you, too. Happy feast, John. Thanks so much. Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary and a regular contributor to Morning Air. To learn much more about the University of Mary, visit cometomary.life. We need to take a short pause when we come back on the other side. Catholic speaker and the host of the Girlfriends podcast, Danielle Bean, will be with us to talk about how to have fun together as a family. This will be a fun conversation, so stay with us. We're just getting going here on this Thursday morning as there's much more of Morning Air to come here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverts on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And, of course, you might remember that tune by Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun, but boys want to have fun, too. More on having fun here in a moment. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and producer Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning, the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul the Apostle, here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. You can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Now, no matter the stage in your life, we should be intentional uh, that we plan to have fun with our families. Uh, not everything uh, is structure, rules, or routine in life. Uh, having fun is part of the human experience, and our next guest is here to remind us of that and to share uh, some things that we should do and that we should never do uh, when having fun with our kids. Joining us live from New Hampshire is Morning Air contributor Danielle Bean to talk about how to have fun together as a family. Uh, Danielle is the creator and the host of the Girlfriends podcast and co-host of The Gist on Catholic TV. Uh, she's also the author of several uh, books, uh, a retreat leader and a popular speaker on a variety of subjects related to Catholic family life, education, marriage, and motherhood. Danielle has been married to her husband, Dan, for nearly 30 years, and together they have eight children. Good morning, Danielle. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I understand uh, that uh, this topic of having fun is something that uh, you've teamed up with with your hu husband, Dan, recently and uh, did a podcast on this very uh, topic. Uh, how fun to be uh, working together with your husband. Yeah, it's really been a blessing to be able to do that. So on a recent episode of Girlfriends, which is my podcast I've had for several years, uh, Dan agreed to be a guest on there as a way of kind of launching our own little project, the Dan and Danielle Bean podcast, which is going to be something that's available exclusively to uh, subscribers over at my Substack. So you can get more information about that at daniellebean.com. But what's fun about it is having a couple's perspective on some of these topics. You know, I, I speak and I write and I share about all different topics related to faith and family life. But I can only offer my perspective. So it's nice to have an opportunity to come together and talk about some of these sometimes really important topics, but even sometimes more everyday topics related to faith and family living and have both a husband's and a wife's perspectives, a mother's 
perspective and a father's perspective as well. So I find it's really fun, but it's also very balancing and edifying to work on. Uh, did Dan enjoy himself uh, in that uh, broadcast uh, with you, Danielle? <laughs> yeah, he did. I think it was in spite of himself. Like he was not looking forward to it. It took some convincing and negotiating, but he really is a, a, a great a, a great speaker and um, a, a great balance to everything that I would share. And we had some great conversations. So I'm looking forward to continuing that project with him on an ongoing basis because these are topics that it's important for us to talk about as couples, and every couple should talk about them, whether they're recording them and sharing them or not. And um, I think it's important for us together as a church to talk about these topics and to be inviting perspectives both from the masculine and the feminine. Absolutely. Uh, having fun is, you know, something that we try to do here in, in the morning. We, we have fun with the news and we have fun uh, with some of the goofy things that we talk about in the morning. So uh, I, I think that uh, it is important uh, that it not become the last thing that one talks about as, as a family. Uh, can you share with us uh, your perspective on the importance of taking time to have some fun in, as, when you're raising a family? Absolutely. I think that really is important. And sometimes, you know, because we're doing all of these other important things, we've got our checklists and we've got our things we need to do. We know this is serious business, but we can forget that part that God wants us to be joyful. And he wants for us to have fun with one another, enjoy one another's company in our faith and family lives. So being intentional about it is really important. One of the points that my husband Dan made in the podcast that we shared on Girlfriends was that we need to be intentional about building a family culture. Like, what is that going to look like? What will your family's culture be? And what we mean by that is be thinking about what your values are as a family, how you enjoy spending time together as a family, what your unique personality and temperament is as a family. Each family is unique, but really joy needs to be part of that plan. And if you're not intentional about it, it can sometimes, like you said, be the last thing on the list. You're trying to get all these other things done, but we're, we're forgetting that this is meant to be an enjoyable process and that we're meant to be enjoying one another's company. And part of this is our call to evangelization and being, you know, upset, angry, too serious all the time is not an attractive force in the world. So making sure you're putting a good face forward and you're showing the world how fun faith and family life can be. I think that this uh, issue of joy is something that the Holy Father, Pope Francis himself, has brought up. That you know we can't have a, you know a sour face as as Catholics as Christians. You know it's it's good to smile and and enjoy life. Absolutely, I think that is so important because if you think about it, that you know the, the people that you know in life, the ones who are going around dour faced and angry or upset or complaining all the time. Those are not people that you want to spend time with. And those are certainly not people that you're thinking, hey, I wonder, I wonder what, you know, what he's got. Like, I need to know more about how that person's living his life because I want some of the same. It's when people are joyful, when you, they are welcoming to others, when they have um, a happy temperament that you are attracted to them and you want to know more about it. And that is part of our call as Christians to be evangelizing in that way as individuals, but also as families. And it's, it's important that we talk about that. Want to invite our listeners, if you want to share what you uh, currently do, or maybe you used to do uh, when you were growing up uh, in terms of having fun with the family, uh, what do you do today? Or maybe you're just too busy and to, to have fun. We'd love to hear from you either way uh, and, and get your uh, your take. 
break. Uh, we're taking your calls for Danielle Bean, the host of the Girlfriends podcast, and you can be part of the conversation at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149 if you want to chime in. Uh, someone who always has fun every morning, uh, always a big smile on her face on the other side of the glass here is our very own Sarah. Uh, Sarah, <laughs> I know that this is right up your alley. Wow, I've done a great job of convincing you that I'm fun. This is great. I'm glad my charade is working. You know what, Danielle, I was thinking like, isn't it like a sign, like a big red flag for us if we're finding like in family life that there's maybe too much screaming or yelling or angriness or not happiness that like, wow, maybe we're not having any fun. Maybe we're just rushing through everything from point A to point B to C to D and the day's over, start, rinse and repeat. And we're missing the fun that's all around us because we're so focused on getting the checklist done and getting the kids here or there. You know, Mm -hmm. what are the signs that we need to be like? These are like little things to be like, okay, you need to stop and have a dance party. You need to stop and have ice ice cream tonight, (laughs) regardless of people's behavior. Like you need it as a mom or a dad and the kids need it so that our family life isn't like bah humbug all the time. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. You know, we need to be reminding ourselves and reminding each other that we love each other and we we love to spend time together. And yes, some of those things are important to do and not every moment of family life is going to be joyful and filled with laughter. But you're so right that when you find yourself kind of in those negative habits, maybe you've established some negative habits of communication or expectations among relationships in your family time to interrupt that. And it's really a great idea to interrupt it in big and small ways. You can you can interrupt it and have, you know, a, a plan for having fun together as a family in a big way. Maybe you're going to take a trip somewhere or, you know, go out for um, a weekend or whatever it is. Or But maybe it can be just something small that, you know, when, when our kids were little, it was hard to kind of plan ways to have fun together as a family. And like you said, just dropping everything and saying, I'm turning on some music and we're, we're going to have a little bit of fun here. We're going to break up the routine, maybe break some of the rules or something, you know, for, for a little bit. That can be a, a very small way to have fun together. One other thing that we did very intentionally that didn't have to cost a lot of money or take too much effort was we would kind of take turns having, we called them boy outings and girl outings. And on these days, Dan would take the boys out somewhere and I would take the girls out somewhere, even if it was just running errands somewhere and kind of breaking up the family dynamic in that way and spending some time together with just certain members of the family. And we always ended those, those days where we had those girl and boy outings, you know, by coming together, either it was going out to dinner somewhere or coming home and, and preparing a special meal together or, you know, getting ice cream or something that would be a fun treat like that. I'm so, so I'm so glad you, you mentioned ice cream. In fact, it's, I was just thinking of that. You, I'm trying to think, what do we do to have fun in the summertime? Nothing like uh, grabbing the family and going to the uh, outdoor ice cream place, waiting in line uh, for your favorite ice cream. I mean, it's, it's the little things in life, I think, that can really bring joy and fun to a family. John, I'm not sure anything else brings you more joy than baseball and ice cream so yeah i think we've got you figured out those are the tops oh my gosh yeah you totally need to make a plan for it though that's i mean that's what's important right if it's not part of your regular routine together as a family uh it's time to reconsider that and say we want family fun to be part of our family's culture and what are some small ways that we can do that 
Well, I'll tell you, in our home, a small thing that we do as a family is we play rope with our beagle. We have this crazy beagle who loves to play with his rope. It's about, you know, a foot and a half long, and he just tugs on it. And we tug and tug, and he just goes crazy, and, he, and, he, and he's mad dog when he's playing with the rope. And then we hand the rope over to everybody in the family so everybody gets a chance, and he just <laughs> loves it. I mean, it doesn't cost a penny, but it's so much fun, and we, we just to see the joy on his little face. Oh, that's adorable. And your dog gets a good workout and oh. interaction with every family member that way. Oh, yes. Uh, Blaze the Beagle gets a lot of pub here on Morning Air. <laughs> um, Danielle, t- talk a little bit about uh, how, you know, parents shouldn't take life just too seriously. Uh, how that can be, you know, you get caught up in, 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 you know, in all the hustle and bustle and the routine. And if you take it too seriously, that's really not a good thing if you want to have that, uh, that atmosphere of, uh, of joy and fun. Absolutely. I think we need to lighten up a little bit. And even when we're making our plans for having fun, um, being aware of the fact that don't don't think everything's going to go perfectly, right? I mean, we've all had these times when maybe you plan a family event or maybe you plan a family vacation. And, you know, there are going to be things that happen that you did not plan on. There are going to be things that don't go quite the way that you wanted them to. And, um, you know, don't let that discourage you. That's just part of life. And, you know, in the podcast, I shared some stories from our, our past, especially when the kids were little, where I put all this pressure on myself and even on the family where I had these high expectations, like, we're going to have fun whether we like it or not. You know, and it's like everybody line up and this is our, our big demand here. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to have fun together. And I, just my stress as a mom, trying to make everything work out perfectly and have the perfect plan for it ended up being the opposite of fun. So we do need to lighten up in our everyday lives, but even ironically, as we're planning to loosen up and have a little bit of fun, we need to be remembering that there are going to be things that happen that don't go quite the way we think they should. And that's okay. You can kind of roll with those punches. Well, I don't think there's a mom out there who can't not relate to your story <laughs> sharing about how you tried to make those uh, mummy hot dog wraps for a Halloween party. It's like, uh, yeah, we always try to think it's got to look like this magazine. It's got to look like Pinterest and kids just want to eat. They don't even want that cru- you know, crescent roll. They just want the hot dog, put it on a bun and move on, you know? Exactly, exactly. And yet I had my own standard, my own goal that was completely outside my family and nobody else cared about it. So sometimes we just need that reality check as mom. Uh, Danielle, is there such a thing as, as over planning, thinking it too much and trying to, you know, have too much structure? Absolutely. So I think having a plan makes sense. And, you know, making sure that you do make plans to have fun because it's not going to happen otherwise, right? Whether it's a small way or a big way or a big, a big event as a family or just some little everyday routines of having fun. But, but like you said, being, making sure that you're not being too rigid about what those plans are, I think, because otherwise it becomes just more work and it becomes more chores and it becomes more, oh, we're failing to live up to mom and dad's expectations for how we're going to interact together as a family. And there's nothing fun about that. So loosening up a little bit and um, having a plan, but loose, having a, a loose grip on those plans is really important. Do you think it's a, it's a good idea to maybe uh, get uh, uh, some perspectives from the different kids in the family as far as, okay, what are we going to do? And, and actually uh, listen to some of the feedback from, from, from the, the family members when it comes to uh, maybe a, a family vacation or doing something really fun. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. You know, sometimes I've done this, especially at the start of like a summer season, for example, and I would go around and just ask everybody, 
what are what are some things that you would like to, to be sure that we do? What are some goals, like bucket lists for your summer, right? And some of them were big and complicated, and other ones were just easy, like you said, just going out for ice cream or you know camping out in the backyard or something like that. Just getting everybody's input and feedback because not everybody enjoys the same things, and sometimes you'll be surprised and even encouraged as a parent. Those times when I've made those lists with my kids, I remember being astonished by some of the little things that they remembered about ways that we had fun that really didn't take a lot of effort or planning on my part. And so I was encouraged to know that those things can be just as meaningful. And so making the time for that, making sure you are open to their input and their feedback with regard to the ways they enjoy spending time together as a family is also important. Hot dogs, ice cream, and baseball. Those are some of our favorite ways to have fun in in, in our family. Final thoughts, uh, Danielle. I just want to encourage families to think about this, to, to really have a plan in place. Like, do we enjoy spending time together as a family? And it might be a worthwhile conversation for you to have with your spouse or with your kids. And like you you suggested, brainstorming some of those ideas, getting everybody's input and feedback, and then making a plan to make it happen. So vitally important. Remember, God wants you to be joyful. Again, uh, where can our listeners go if they want to uh, listen to uh, your podcast with you and your husband, Dan? Yeah, get yourself subscribed over at daniellebean.com. We would love to have you join us and for future episodes with the male and female perspective on all things related to faith and family. Sounds great. Thanks for sharing here this morning, and uh, keep having fun. Thanks so much, Danielle. Thank you. You too. Morning Air contributor Danielle Bean, the host of the Girlfriends podcast. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Grandfather's Table. A frail old man went to live with his son, daughter-in-law, and four-year-old grandson. The old man's hands trembled and his eyesight was blurred and his step faltered. The family ate together at the table, but the elderly grandfather's shaky hands and failing sight made eating difficult. Peas rolled off his spoon onto the floor. When he grabbed the glass, milk spilled on the tablecloth. The son and daughter-in-law became irritated with the mess. We must do something about grandfather, said the son. I've had enough of his spilled milk, noisy eating, and food on the floor. So the husband and wife set a small table in the corner. There, grandfather ate alone while the rest of the family enjoyed dinner. Since grandfather had broken a dish or two, his food was served in a wooden bowl. When the family glanced in grandfather's direction, he sometimes had a tear in his eye as he sat alone. Still, the only words the couple had for him were sharp admonitions when he dropped a fork or spilled food. The four-year-old watched it all in silence. One evening before supper, the father noticed his son playing with wood scraps on the floor. He asked the child sweetly, what are you making? Just as sweetly, the boy responded, oh, I'm making a little bowl for you and mama to eat your food from when I grow up. The four-year-old smiled and went back to work. The words so struck the parents, they were speechless. Then tears started to stream down their cheeks. Though no words were spoken, they both knew what must be done. That evening, the husband took grandfather's hand and gently led him back to the family table. For the remainder of his days, he ate every meal with the family. And for some reason, neither husband nor wife seemed to care any longer when a fork was dropped, milk spilled, or the tablecloth soiled. First Peter 2.17 says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Coming up next hour on Morning Air, 
Marcel Lejeune, the president and founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples, will be with us to discuss how to evangelize fallen away Catholics. Plus, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will be with us to talk about the conversion of St. Paul the Apostle, the feast that we are celebrating today. So stay with us. There is uh, much more to come in hour number two on this Thursday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new and improved Relevant Radio app. <laughs> 